I'm Meg Dahl, your unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. I am so excited for this week's episode. So I have one of my very close friends on the show with me this week. Her name is Christy Fountain and she was one of the people who really introduced me to the Enneagram or I should say that I learned so much about the Enneagram from Christy. And honestly, I cannot believe that this is episode 198 and it's Christy's first episode on the show, but it went so well and I'm so excited for you to listen because I have been wanting to have this conversation with her about the Enneagram and what tri-types are, tri-fixes are, and how that all comes together and how it impacts us and our journey with the Enneagram. And that is exactly what we talk about in this episode. So... I will give you a heads up. If you are brand new to the Enneagram, you have no idea what your Enneagram type is, this might not be the show for you. You might want to go back to one of my previous episodes where we do like intro conversations about the Enneagram and we go really deep into which each type is and that would be really helpful for you if you have no idea what the Enneagram is at all. However, in this episode, if you're a little foggy on the Enneagram, maybe you don't know what your type is, you can still listen to this episode. But just a heads up, it definitely is a deep dive because like I said, Christy and I talk about something that is called tri-types and tri-fixes, which just makes the Enneagram make even more sense and it's just so incredible. So I'm really excited for you to learn about all of that and gain all of this knowledge from Christy. And she's also a life purpose coach and she helps people do career pivots based off of their life purpose. The work that she does is absolutely fascinating. So if you feel like you are in a position in your life, which I feel like so many people went through this COVID pandemic and realized that maybe the job or the career that they have been in for years isn't actually lighting them up anymore. Christy would be the perfect person to turn to because that's the exact work that she helps individuals do and accomplish is realizing what they are actually meant to do while here on earth. So 
Like I said, the work she does is fascinating. I have all of her links in the show notes below. And as I was editing this podcast episode, I realized that I actually didn't ask Christy the famous question that I ask all of my guests at the end of each episode. What does it mean to you to be unbreakable? I never asked her that. And I only realized that just a few minutes ago when I was editing this episode. So I do believe that this will not be her first appearance on the show. Christy and I could chat for hours and hours on end. And I would love to have her back on so I could ask her that special question. But for now, I will turn it over to my conversation with Christy. And I will see you next week in March with a brand new mental health check-in episode. Hey, Christy, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on with me this week, finally. It's only been like years. (laughs) Years. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm really excited to be here. I remember, I don't know exactly what year this was, but I had been, you know, like following you on Instagram and loving all your content and I don't know, like chatting with you and also Gina, who you have like the Enneagram podcast with. Anyways, I kind of felt like Instagram friends with you guys. Yeah. And then I remember, but I didn't know if like you felt that way about me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just oh, felt yeah. that way about you. So anyways, I logged on to Instagram and this was a couple years ago, but I remember you referring to me as your friend, Meg, and I almost died. I was like, oh, she thinks I'm her friend. Oh, <laughs> I know. Because I was a with you too. <laughs> <laughs> well, Aww. I want everyone to get to know you throughout this episode and learn from you if they don't already follow you on social media. So before we dive in, because we will be kind of taking a, I don't know, like a deeper look into the Enneagram, as I was sharing with you, I do have several episodes, but I really wanted to have you on so we can kind of hit on some different topics and stuff. But before we actually dive in, do you want to just kind of say hi to everyone and introduce yourself if they don't already know you? Absolutely. My name is Christy Fountain, and I'm a life purpose guide, career coach, self-development coach, instructor, basically all things Enneagram, personality, social psychology, just anything that has to do with understanding who we are, why we do what we do, think what we think, feel what we feel, and helping everyone else, like you listening, um, really get to know yourself on a deeper level. And I'm an Enneagram four, which is basically like Meg, (laughs) the creative romantic, um, sometimes more emo, like Enneagram type. And, um, I am super strong and feeling and thinking. And so I just love like helping people tune into their heart and tune into their authentic self. And, Um, currently in the last couple of years, I, I pivoted from really strong, um, Enneagram personality typing content, educational content, which is still on my Instagram account. If you're listening, you can like scroll back through all of my, um, carousel posts about every single type. Um, and then I pivoted into more career coaching and life purpose coaching, um, and 
I specialize in career pivots. And so getting out of work that's like burning you out and moving into work that just lights you up is in your zone of genius and really fulfills you on a deeper level. And so that's all the stuff that I love, love, love talking about. So I'm sure we're going to dive into that really soon. Yes. And you like integrate the Enneagram into all of that too. Yes. Yes. So it's Enneagram based coaching. I'm an accredited coach. So like um, I use the Enneagram as a tool, but I used to teach it explicitly like, or exclusively. And now it's more like geared toward career, but I still have a ton of content. And I, I love posting about, um, Enneagram types. Like it's just never not fun to read about Enneagram types, to read about your type. So true. So true. And I actually (laughs) do know that. So you and I are type fours and I know a lot of our listeners right now, like who regularly tune into the show, they're also type fours. I have a lot of type oh, fours really? listening. So maybe we can like, I don't know, talk mm-hmm. about some specific type four things later. Mm-hmm. I would love to do that with you, but I'm really curious. So I love getting to know myself better. And I think you and I both know there's so many different ways we can know ourselves, you know, there's so many different methods like, okay, so the Enneagram, and I know you're also really into astrology and human design, but then there's like Myers-Briggs and what is that? Strength finder. Yes, the strengths test. And like, there's so many different systems, right? That allow us to know ourselves better. But what is it about the Enneagram that really just like, you know, that's your thing. So I'm curious what it was about the Enneagram that really just like had you sold basically. Yeah. Okay. So if you're a four and you're listening, tune in a little bit more because the experience that I have with fours is that when you start reading about the Enneagram, there's a split off in fours and you either immediately go, I feel so seen and understood. And like, I can't even believe this is literally my life. Like the descriptions feel so so resonant or you spend years trying to find your type because you're so not wanting to be put in a box because that's the Enneagram for pattern is like, I'm unique, et cetera. And so I think people have one or two of those experiences, not just if you're a four, but a lot of fours, that's how I feel like. And I was the one that totally immediately grabbed on the type four. Once I read about it, I was like, yes, that's it. hundred percent. I can't even think of anything that's more resonant. And what was your experience? That was me too. Like I flip through all of the core desires and fears and like motivations and stuff and nothing resonated at all. Like types one through nine, except four. So I was like, really? Yeah. Like there's no question. I'm a four. And then, you know, you start following more Enneagram accounts and then there's more of the like playful, fun posts and hands down, it was always the four. It just, it just makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it may like for some fours, it just, or any type, like once you resonate so strongly with one type, it it's, and I know we'll talk about this too. Like learning about your dominant type is so important in the beginning to just, just look at your dominant type. And I mean, I probably did that for almost a decade, like just dominant type, something like that, like just reading about it, learning about it, like really examining. I think something that's really helpful is to, to look at your core desires, your core fears, um, your core motivation, your key motivation, in the Enneagram, which are very like common key terms you can look up for your type and see how they resonate with you. A lot of times it can be 
really triggering. Like you might be like, Ooh, that's not me. Um, but see how they're playing out. And for force, like the fear is to one of the fears is of being misunderstood. And to this day, I've learned about the Enneagram. Uh, I learned about the Enneagram 12 years ago to this day. I still grapple with situations that feel triggering or challenging. And then I'm like, oh crap, this is coming back to that fear of being misunderstood. And it feels so silly to say, oh, you know, like I was upset because I felt like I was being misunderstood. When you say it, it's like, that's not that big a deal. Like you're not being hurt. Like you're not, what a big whoop, you know? But it really does come down to those core things that are really the life-changing um features of your personality that in, in being aware of them can really transform your life when you're aware of them and you can see where those like challenges are coming up for you and why. And that's why I fell in love with the Enneagram, why I always go back to it, why I'll, I will never stop t- talking about it, teaching. I've been talking about it for 12 years now. It's like the only system out there I know that is um, accurate on like a personality psychology or, um, scientific level. Like it's been studied, um, by statisticians and things, uh, has a big root in like, um, psychiatry, the history of it, of the personality stuff and, or the personality side of the Enneagram. And it just, um, is really consistent and actually helpful in transforming your thoughts and thought patterns and feeling patterns and behavioral patterns. And it's not like you just one day will be done with your struggles, but it does help you hold space for yourself and kind of return to what you know to be true about yourself. Yeah. Again, just kind of going back to understanding ourselves on this deeper level. And like you just threw out there about the fear, right, of being misunderstood. And as soon as we start having that awareness about ourselves, okay, so we start with the type, right? And it's like, oh, yeah, I'm a type four. Then we see the fears. And it's like, oh, yeah, those are my fears, right? And then when those fears start showing up in our daily life, have that awareness and we're like, this makes so much sense, right? I was introduced to the Enneagram and yeah, this is my fear. And now I'm aware of that. And I can also see it coming up right now. And Mm -hmm. it helps us work through it in yeah, such a more compassionate way. I just love it so much, honestly. Yeah. Should we, Mm -hmm. should we say the nine core fears? Yes. Let's give, give everyone a recap. (laughs) because it has been a while since we've talked about the Enneagram. (laughs) Okay. So type one's core fear. And I mean, this is very like oversimplifying the whole thing. So this is not not putting anybody in a box, but in general, kind of look at this in your life. And if you're feeling triggered or challenged or overwhelmed or angry or anything, like look at this core fear based on your dominant type. So um, type one core fear is of being blamed or criticized. Ouch. I mean, even if you have a one wing or it's like part of your tri- type or trifix, which we'll probably talk about, ouch. Um, type two is being unworthy of love. And I think that probably something adjacent to that would be like for twos being not appreciated, you know? I think that's a big one. Type three, like being or looking unsuccessful. And I feel like we can feel that because that would be our win, right? Yeah. Right, right. Um, Type four, fear of being misunderstood. And the other 
the other core fear for fours would be um, a fear of not having an identity to a certain extent. And for nines, it's like their challenge is cultivating the identity. And for fours, it's like all about like you're you're always cultivating your identity. It's like it's almost like a gallery. Your like identity is like you're always like moving pieces and curating it and like. I'm not this, but I'm that, and I'm unique and special and talented and whatever. Um, so it's like not having an identity. Um, and for type five, it's, um, I don't know what the official Enneagram Institute one is, but um, it has a lot to do with not, of not having resources or energy. Um, I think it really boils down to that and, or being overwhelmed uh, type. Do you resonate with five at all or versus three? Well, where my, yeah, I feel like I definitely more so go towards like that three, like with that fear, I definitely resonate more with that. But where my mind was my boyfriend, he's a five. And it's just so interesting. Like he often says like one of his just famous lines is like, well, that's, that's just a waste of energy to do that. You know, like he's always concerned about what would be like, he always says that and I always laugh because I know he's a five and managing he doesn't, his resources and yeah yours. yeah he's like well that would be a waste of energy to do that and I'm like oh my gosh and it's like the smallest thing too right yeah yeah totally it's, yeah yeah it's super God. interesting and he knows he's a five but he doesn't know like the core fears of a five off the top of his head mm -hmm. right but I had him look at all these posts and he was able to identify for himself that he was a five and mm -hmm. so whenever he says that I always have like a little chuckle because I'm like yeah that's very Enneagram five of you to say yeah <laughs> that's awesome yeah, yeah you which do you resonate more with in terms of like your wing yeah. And when I first learned about the Enneagram and probably for close to a decade, I just could not resonate with three at all. Like I, 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 I just, it was in my shadow. So it was in my subconscious so deep that I couldn't even like grasp it. And I had to do a lot of shadow work around that because there are so many parts of my childhood and everything that actually are very three and three wing, but I had repressed it so much because I felt unsuccessful and was like, you know, whipping myself in, in my heart, like about failures and all this stuff, but I'd put it in my shadow. And so I did a lot of, um, really re-examining my life and shadow work. And I was like, wow, there was a lot more three than I thought, but I had resonated really deeply with five, even to the point of like wondering if I was a five. And so I can really resonate with fives a lot. Like, um, my Enneagram trainer, Dirk, um, who is from, um, South Africa, and he owns the integrative nine, the number nine.com. It's Enneagram, um, integrative Enneagram. Um, and they train professionals for like in the Enneagram model. And I got, I, he trained me and he's the owner. And I said, Dirk, like you're a five, you know, how, and my vibing is so strong. Like, how do you overcome that feeling of overwhelm when you just don't think you have the inner resources to engage and to be ex like to extrovert your thinking and intuition and like to just act like um and he said I don't feel that any way anymore but I used to and he said I tell myself 
my energy is, is limitless. I have limitless energy. And he said that, and I was like, oh, how do you do that as a five? Like, and once he adopted that practice, that pattern, that mental pattern of saying that to himself, he said that it really helps him overcome those things because he travels the world and teaches everywhere. And I'm just like, how do you keep up as a five with all of this right. social interaction? Wow. So that's yeah. really cool. Like literally retraining the way he thinks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And I do want to get in and I know we have more types left, but another thing is like how human design comes into the Enneagram, because I really do think there's such like a cool, beautiful mesh between the two of them. You know, Mm -hmm. it is a mesh. It is a mesh. It's not the same or somehow correlated. No, no, it's not even correlated. You can like use them together. And the only reason I bring that up is because I was saying how Scott, my boyfriend, he's always like concerned about like what's going to take up too much of his energy, but he's also a generator. So, Mm -hmm. you know, he does have like that defined sacral energy. So it's just like interesting to me. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's wild. Yeah, we'll do. We can definitely talk about that. Um, Yeah. I love looking at the overlap of, I love systems. And so I can get nerdy about it even though Enneagram is like my biggest like focus, but yeah, it's so fun to dive into other archetypal systems. Um, and so type six core fear is of not being secure. Um, and I think there's insecure, not meaning like insecure, but like security, like safety. thinking of like safety. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And I've heard it say that statistically in the U S there are more sixes than any other type. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And four is obviously like, actually not obviously, but the, that's the lowest common type. Okay. See, I had heard that. And then I did some Googling and I felt like I got some different information, but okay. That's, that's good to know. Yeah. And The, where I heard it from was the integrative nine, nine, um, Mm -hmm. company, they hired statisticians and all the like researchers. Mm -hmm. And so that's their data that they gathered from tens of thousands of people. But that doesn't mean that that's an accurate sample because you, in order to like, know, in order to gather that data, you have to know your type with confidence. And I think most of the world doesn't obviously. So I think there's some error in there, but, um, that's what they gather that most, that their most common, um, customer was a six. And then that kind of, you can apply that to Very interesting. that sample size to like the bigger population. Yeah. And do you but, find that too? Like, obviously you're working with so many different clients and do you feel like six is a common type that's coming to you? Or would you say that you're maybe attracting a certain Enneagram type based off of your type, because I know in my practice, I'm attracting so many fours, so many threes, so many twos, like all the heart centered types. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. I'm definitely attracting more twos, fours and nines. Cause I'm like, um, you're talking about the heart center and I'm more talking about people who are heart center dominant, which is a different thing. And it's very confusing, but, um, twos, fours and nines are, um, if you're just measuring heart centered patterns, th- those types have the strongest heart center patterns. And then 
threes are in the heart center, but it's contradicted relationship to that heart center. So um, they don't have a lot of the same heart patterns. They're action dominant, their heart center repressed. It's kind of confusing, but I'm not going to get into that. That makes sense. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, I attract those people. Um, not so much six, not so much sixes. Um, but I do get the occasional six and I love them. I love yeah. the sixes. Like, I'm yeah. like, oh, a six. Yay. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's always exciting, hey, yeah. to get like different Enneagram types for clients. But also to your point, like about the nines, like look at the work you do, like finding your purpose, right? That's what I mean, like nines, like you said, they're not really always like crafting their identity. So the work you do is probably really appealing to a type nine. Mm -hmm. I would think or scary I mean appealing appealing and but scary right like it's out of yeah. their comfort zone which is why they're hiring a coach right mm -hmm. yeah yeah totally makes sense and yeah and I love working with types that are more um you know that have all the feelings and are more people oriented um and maybe even people pleasing and tend to act in the interest of others instead of themselves, which is very two, four, and nine. Um, and, and also hearts under patterns. I mean, that's just what they are, but, um, I think I don't get a lot of sevens, although the occasional, I get all types, but like, I don't get as many sevens, but I think that that's because three sevens and eights are action dominant types. They're assertive. They're out there getting things done. Sevens have, um, don't have a problem like jumping on new opportunities. Like I do career transition support for heart center people. So it's like, or life purpose transitions. Um, and I think one of the strongest um, types in this arena of life is sevens. Like they're enthusiastic and visionary and they can like see the big picture and like they dive into things and it's less likely to struggle with that. Um, people pleasing or like, you know, not, um, you know, being uncertain and stuff. They're like more take charge action oriented and their core fear is of being trapped basically of losing their freedom. So their core fear is actually giving them fuel for jumping into new opportunities basically, or, or thinking positively, which isn't that that your do most dominant type in the thinking center. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel that so deeply <laughs> and I really want to talk about tri-types with you for sure. Okay. Let's do it. Cause mm -hmm. I think I know your body center type as well. I think um, you do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so type eight core fear is of basically being vulnerable or weak or weakness. Um, and type nine core fear is, um, conflict and, I think it's not an official one, but basically like having an identity, taking up space. And that's, that is the one that I think is your body center type. Am I yeah, wrong? It is. Okay. <laughs> no, it is. <laughs> so you're a four, seven, nine. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So do you want to tell people about what a tri-type is? Yes. Like, I'd let's talk that. about it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so your tri-type is actually, uh, a trademark term from Catherine Fav, who created the idea of this tri-type based on Oscar Chazo's um, theory of, um, his theory was called tri-fixes. 
And this was the idea that there was these core, um, that you had a core dominant type in each of the centers, heart, mind, and body, or thinking, feeling, action. And so if you're listening, get out a piece of paper and write this down because it's something that's really fun to look into. But um, in the heart center, you have the option of type two, three, or four, and two being the helper, three being the achiever, four being the romantic creative individualist. And you have more of a re like resonating connection to one of those types, no matter what your dominant type is. You don't have to be one of those types, but you have one of those. And then in the thinking center, you have five, six, seven, five being the observer, um, six being the loyalist, seven being the enthusiast, you're dominant in one of those. So even just basically me saying that name, like which one of those resonate with you, write that one down. And in the body center, it's eight, nine, and one. So eight being the challenger, nine being the peacemaker, um, and one being the perfectionist. And so write down which one resonates with you the most out of those. And then your trifix is the order the three numbers that you get that are the most dominant in each of the centers in order of strength. So obviously your dominant Enneagram type that you have, that you would resonate with the most, I'm four, Meg's a four, you, that's your first number. And then it, the other two numbers aren't as important to be in, in order, but um, if you, if you feel like you resonate with one or the other, then write the next two numbers down. So Meg, you're a four, seven, nine, or four, nine, seven. Four, seven, nine, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I see yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and your, your weakest trifix number, the one that's last is going to be the one that you may not even, um, you may have a hard time picking out of the three. So like whichever one is like the hardest to nail down in that center is going to be the last because it's probably your, your most repressed center. So therefore it's hard to even pick out. Well, um, no, let's say it's a thinking center or something like, well, I can't choose between five, six, seven. I feel like I relate to all three and whatever. If you struggle with it, that's probably your last dom your least dominant center, your weakest center. And so that's normal to struggle with that a little bit. Um, and mine is four, five, one. So, um, five also is my wing. So that makes it a little interesting, but, um, and there's, those three sets of numbers, no matter what the order, kind of has its own Enneagram archetype. And an archetype is just a, kind of like astrology or any other system. It's a description of a certain type of person. And it's very much putting everything into a box, but it gives you a good idea. So you have your dominant type archetype, which is all the descriptions you read about your dominant type. And then your trifix is your... Um, Dot, like your art, your when you combine all those three together, what that very specific archetype looks like. That just there's a description for that. And Catherine Fav ended up writing these beautiful, very like scientifically researched archetype descriptions for those. Um, but even if you just don't know that overarching archetype that she defined, um, just to see that you're not just one dominant type that there's actually these other parts of you at play underneath the surface. There's just one that's really front facing and that's your dominant type, but you actually have all nine types and specifically the three are the most front facing 
um, with your dominant type in the very front, but these other parts of you are at play too. And the core fear and core desires of those other two types are actually at play as well, not just your dominant type. So we're not just that dominant type. You actually have your dominant type that's the most front facing. And then you have two other types that are at play where those other two types look like read about their core fear, core desire, core motivations of those two, because those are parts of you that are at play as well. And they're behind the scenes and not so obvious, but they're at play. Like for you, Meg, your, you know, your foreness is at the forefront of your personality and your patterns. Those are always going to be your quickest lead, the quickest lead, quickest deployed patterns when you're in a pickle, when you need to make a quick decision, when you're on autopilot, when you're just being yourself and relaxing and not really trying to manage your identity or your personality. And those other two things are also intermixed with your dominant type, just not as in the front and quick, like, um, for you, Meg, your four is in the forefront and your seven is still intermingled with your dominant type and playing out almost like a combined thing that's really hard to separate out because our our brains are so complex and our the way our neurons are firing like it's not something that's so easily like separated you can't separate it like yolk from the from the egg white like you just can't but your seven is in there with your four sometimes combined and then sometimes separate sometimes your seven is in the forefront and your seven's in charge I'm sure you feel that way um I'll tell you how you feel (laughs) (laughs) Gina and I have this joke like you're so on point (laughs) yeah I'll tell you who you are because that's what happens when you're a personality expert you're like I'll tell you who you are (laughs) um but yeah so like sometimes your nine might be in charge and you're just like withdrawn and not wanting to show up and have an identity. And sometimes your seven's in charge and you have all the ideas and you're visionary and enthusiastic. Um, and so sometimes it's just hard to separate out who's in charge, but your dominant type is going to be your quickest, most easily deployed techniques, coping mechanisms, patterns that are going to be in the forefront. And everything else is also at play behind that and sometimes it may be even in front of that. It just, it's crazy. Like, It's so our- interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I like the tri-types for the reason because I know a lot of people are like, uh, you know, I don't like these like personality things or the Enneagram. I don't want to be put into a box, that sort of thing. And it's like, but you're not just one type. And that's why not all type fours, like you and I, we're very different. We don't, we don't totally. operate, like we're not like the same type four, right? But you're four, five, one. I'm four, seven, nine. Like that's completely different. So like, we're a little different, but your four is dominant. My four is dominant, but you having that strong seven and nine means you are the most positive thinking type four, the most positive reframing, the most, um, I think of the four, seven, nine, or the four, nine, seven, or whatever combination, it's the same archetype, no matter where the numbers are. Um, as being the most uh, just free-spirited um, for this, that, that can exist. And my 451 is probably the most rigid and perfectionistic and like um, 
hard on themselves, negatively reframing type four that exists. So interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So Very it explains, cool. the trifix explains like why there's these differences and why maybe you might meet another one that, of somebody that has your type, but you're just like, how are you a But you're two? so different than me. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. This is so cool. And I mean, like I have been following you posting about tri-types and stuff, but this is why I wanted to have you on the show to talk about all of this. So <laughs> everyone else could <laughs> geek out on this with us. And... Yay. I have just this really random thought about tri-types, but like what I noticed, so my dad's a seven and my mom's a nine. Is that just yes. fluke? Girl, Do you see that? Girl, <laughs> my dad's a five and my mom's a one and that's in my tri-type too. Ah! And then I think Gina, her tri-type is her parents. So do you mm -hmm. see this like often? It's just, it's so crazy to me. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've, I have noticed this pattern and wondered it because I, I think you're the only other person that brought it up too, because I'm like, wait, I have the same experience. So, and Gina and I have talked about it and I think there might be something to it because the way you get an Enneagram type or develop a personality is nature and nurture. It's your natural temperament combined with your upbringing, your childhood messages, your parental relationships, and it's all conditioning. And then some of your own, like you were just born as a unique human being, right? And so it's a combination of that. So it would make sense that as you're being conditioned by your parents, you are conditioning means like you're finding ways to stay safe and be rewarded or get like a hit of dopamine or, you know, a feel good. And so if you are interacting with these primary care, like they're not primary care, they're like primary, these super important people, you are managing their core stuff. You're managing their core fears, their core desires. You're trying to please them, keep them happy so you can stay safe. And you're also trying to get them to notice you and nurture you and reward you. So it would make sense that you would and this is not even a proven thing. Like, I'm sure this is the first time it's ever been talked about publicly, this conversation. <laughs> but I do think that there's a correlation and it's probably not always the case, but I do think it makes sense from that childhood development, um, you know. Yeah, totally. It's just when I realized that, I was like, this is just too wild. And I've always been kind of more like my dad, you know, and I actually had a really hard time deciding on whether like the nine was in my tri-type or not. But I mean, I knew I was for sure not an eight or a one, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally. So like, that's yeah, kind there's, of how I like deduced, you know, reduced it down. Yeah. Right. Right. And a lot of times those numbers that we don't res we know we don't resonate with are the types of personalities we come in conflict common to conflict with the most because it's like that's the most repressed parts of ourselves and it's not doesn't feel as safe or rewarding to do those kinds of traits yeah yeah and makes total sense so I love how you 
encouraged our listeners to grab like a piece of paper and a pen and kind of write that down. And what I noticed, even though I already knew my tri-type, when you just simply said the kind of like names of each type, you know, the observer, the, um, what was it? The, what's a six again? The observer, the loyal, the, the loyal skeptic, and then, you know, the seven anyways, like, it was just so obvious to me which one I resonated <laughs> yeah. more with. Like, I don't think even our listeners really have to know the type, like, everything about the type, right? But um, you did go over all their fears. So it's going to be exciting for our listeners to know their tri-types because, honestly, I have been wanting to talk to you about this on the show for oh years. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. So after knowing your tri-type, like how has that kind of really changed your journey with the Enneagram? Because I know you were very focused, like you said, at the beginning of the episode, you like focused on your dominant type, which is a four for like a decade. And then you started kind of getting more into these other aspects of the Enneagram. So how has things changed for you since kind of focusing on tri-types and bringing that into play on your journey now? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I, so I really resonated with my wing um, and I, which is a five and that's also in my tri-type. And so I didn't know that for a while. And once I found out this idea of like a trifix, tri-type, um, same thing, sort of. Um, I also immediately had that feeling of like, oh my gosh, I have never felt more understood in my life. I had that like re-Enneagram revelation. And what it did for me is it altered my life path forever. So the idea of this Enneagram thing is cool. It's great. It was like mind blowing. But when I discovered my trifix numbers and realizing how important they were, um, it set me off on a new career path Wow! because yeah, like it changed everything. And it made me realize why I was just out of alignment enough to where the work that I was doing, um, I kept I did it for 13 years and I kept shaming myself and feeling bad. Like this just doesn't feel right. And I don't have a lot of energy and I don't, I'm kind of dreading showing up to a lot of my jobs and doing work and avoiding work. And, um, once I figured out my trifix numbers, I was like, oh my gosh, I am in the wrong line of work. And and that's not, it's something I sort of did like deduced on my own. It's not like there's some overarching like career correlation, but once you see like what the common core gifts and strengths of these, those three types are, you're, you can really see like how your work is in, out of alignment. And that's one of the major tools we use in my program, the revealing to like um, really figure out, do an alignment assessment, like how out of alignment are we? Um, is the work I'm doing really feeding me, maybe it explains why you're feeling so totally burnout and challenged. Like, and I created this program literally because trifixes changed the course of my life. 
that's why I pivoted into life purpose stuff. That's why I changed, like went from just Enneagram education to this specific court, um, like focus on life purposes, because I was like, I'm so passionate about this. I cannot stop talking about it. Wow. So it's the, yeah. so you really integrate like the trifix into your life purpose coaching and like the career coaching and your program. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because wow. it could really, I mean, even if you're listening and you just kind of wrote down some numbers that resonate with you, like read about those types and then see how that lines up the type patterns and things you read about the descriptions really line up with the work you're doing. Even just that, like that can make you wake up and be like, oh gosh, now I know why it's out of alignment or like, yeah, if, if I'm, if I have a strong two in the heart center, whether it's dominant or not, like if you're not doing work where you feel like you are explicitly helping and loving people, then you're out of line. Okay. If you're one, if you're one in the body center and you are not doing work where you are able to express the changes that you see that need to happen or, um, things that just aren't fitting right, kind of like a puzzle, you're like seeing that things are not right. And you're not able to express that or express arenas for improvement for the work you're doing, then that's going to feel really out of alignment for you. So that's so there's a lot of what was one thing for you because you do have a one, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. so that was part of it coming into play for you. Right. I wasn't doing any of that work when I was a wedding photographer. I wasn't like able to like examine something or people and be like, okay, here's what I see that's out of alignment. Literally, that's what I do now. I'm like, I will work with you and show you what's out of alignment. I can see what's not right and what's ill-fitting. And I wasn't doing that with the work I was doing, but I didn't even know that that was something, if you would have told me like, oh, you really need to like tell people where you see something that's not fitting right. I would have been like, that's not really me, but that's because I was doing work that was so out of alignment. I couldn't even see it. Wow. That's so amazing. And I love that you have this program. So how does it work, Christy? Tell us. Um, you can, yeah, yeah. So um, I'm on Instagram, christy.fountain, um, K-R-I-S-T-Y.fountain. And um, there's a link in my bio to apply to watch a private training with me. And it, I tell you all about my program and I tell you about my three-part framework for creating like soul igniting careers and contributions and offers. Um, but I'm really like, sorry to jump away from that, but I'm really curious if you can describe for listeners how like your relationship with your trifix numbers and the work you're doing now and like what you're offering oh my goodness like how it all like relates to each other like that sort of thing oh man you put me on the spot girl <laughs> I feel like okay and you could probably it would be fun if you like you know kind of gave your bird's eye view because Christy, you are a projector. So I know yeah. you're, you know, so wise and stuff, <laughs> but I feel like the work that I do. So with the seven, I think for me, it does feel good to like kind of change things up and do new things rather than always doing the same thing. So I do like jumping into new things and like doing that, you know, because it doesn't feel good for me to like always do the same thing. But I think, you know, I have been doing my Back Home to You program since July of 2020. And something that keeps me really excited about the program is that 
I'm constantly working with new clients in there, you know, so I'm always working with someone new. And so that kind of like, it always feels like kind of like this new journey when I start working with a new client, you know, even though it's the same Mm -hmm. program, it's a one-on-one program. So that feels really good for me. Whereas I, and I knew that for my business, like I just, there's something about like a group program where I'm like teaching the same material over and over again, that just didn't feel good for me. It's like that one-on-one that really allows me to do like that same program, but it feels like new every time. So I think that kind of maybe satisfies like that seven in the trifix. And then, oh man, like the four the work that I'm doing is literally like helping people feel their emotions and like go deeper. Right. So I'm like, like our conversations are just always so deep all the time. So every session is a deep session. And I think that really satisfies, like there's, there's no surface level stuff, you know? And I think also that's another thing about doing like big group coaching programs, which so many of us like entrepreneurs, like we're told to do like group coaching, right? Because you you can't be filling your schedule with all these one-on-one calls and you're going to get burnt out. But I'm like, I, I just don't love that. I just don't feel like I can go as deep as I want to when I'm talking to this big group, right? And I like going really deep. And that's like that four in me, I think. So mm-hmm. that part of me is really satisfied being able to go really deep with my clients. Yeah. And then okay, so pause there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you were so based on that, the depth and the the changes and like that, you don't have to get stuck or feel trapped with just like one program or one thing for the whole time. Like, um, you like that you probably just never know what you're gonna get. Like, you're you have different clients that struggle with different things, and like it's variety. Variety is huge for seven plus the depth of four. Even just looking at that, if you were doing um, work where you were talking to people on the surface where you were maybe like filling out, like maybe you were doing, let's say like, um, what would that be? Like an office manager or something. You would be like barely scratching the surface. Let me get your name, your number. Like literally it would be so monotonous for you as a four and a seven, the visionary and, or the, you know, the depth person and the visionary, the depth person, that's a new four description. Um, like it would feel just absolutely gut-wrenching to be only on the surface yeah absolutely like there's so many jobs I think that are that wouldn't allow you to go super deep like that you know right even for an example this is actually really good like I used to really work with like gut health clients, right? I was always running like stool tests and things like that. And the clients that I was attracting years ago when I was doing that, you know, they wanted to be put on a protocol and address like the parasite that they have, right? Right. And they weren't really ready to hop on a call with me and start having this really deep conversation about what's actually happening. So I felt really unsettled, you know, like I worked with amazing clients, but I wasn't really getting 
what I wanted out of those sessions, right? Because it was just, it was just protocols. And essentially, like on the outside, it looks like I'm doing the same thing, right? Like, still like one on one sessions with clients, but right. Yeah, nuance of that. Yeah, because I think before is always like, well, what's underneath that? What's Mm -hmm. underneath that? And so now you made it so that it's like, you can be like, well, that's cool. And that's what seems like the, the um, surfaced issue is showing us, but let's go deeper. Like what else is attached to this? Like, and that's just wild that you like pivoted in that direction. And now it's so meaningful for you. I know I was like, Meg, I know you do all these one-on-ones. Like, aren't you overwhelmed? Like, oh my, as a four, five, one, I'm like, aren't you just like so overwhelmed? Like, don't you feel like your energy is zapped? Hello five. And you're like, no, I love it. I'm like, I love when my schedule's full of these sessions. And I was like, that's so good. That's awesome. But another personality type wouldn't think so. So it really does matter. Yeah. Wow. This is so cool. Okay. What about the nine? Because obviously I think you and I both talked about this, that that is clearly the most repressed type and I'm just kind of like, where does the nine come in? Like, what is the nine really wanting to do? And how am I integrating that into what I'm doing? Like, obviously, yeah. they're the peacemaker, right? And mm-hmm. yeah. Peacemaker, yeah. Um, if if it's your last number, a lot, for a lot of people, that's the center that's the most repressed. So for you, it'd be the action center and or the body center, same thing. And The nine is the only type out of the three, eight, nine, and one in the body center that is contradicted in the center that they're in. So the nine is action repressed. And so the way that action is likely showing up for you is in your seven, which is more dominant. So because sevens are more action oriented, they're thinking center, they're in the thinking center but they have usually no problem with getting into action. I mean, I'm just generally sweeping the whole thing, but like um, your relationship to action likely has a lot to do with seven. It's probably your seven propelling you into action. Um, And the nine being contradicted is more um, withdrawn. And so it's likely that that your last trifix number is going to be the one that you deploy last out of the three and less, like less, less, last and less. So when you need support or you need to cope, it's likely that that nine is like the last thing you do or go to when you are challenged, you need support, you just are needing resources or whatever. You probably go to the nine for that last in the, out of the three. And so sometimes it's so weak that we don't like see how it plays out, but it's still there. And nine is so not having an identity. So it wouldn't be that loud in your personality anyway. It wouldn't be this thing that's like screaming and obvious. It would be this thing that's like the parts of you that don't want to be, um, that don't want to step on toes or don't want to cause a ripple that want to positively reframe. the parts of you that are a mediator and hold space for everyone. Like well, and that makes sense, right? Yes. What non-judgmental. Yeah. 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 Which yeah. you have to be in your work. Like that's 
if you can't hold space for people in the line of work you do, like you're causing harm. Yeah. So you're, I mean, it's a gift you have. It's well, just I guess not that makes sense now, right? Like my mom's a nine and I always think like, oh my gosh, she is seriously the best listener. You know, she just like can sit there and listen to me like blab because I do, right? I'm just like blah, blah, blah for hours and hours. <laughs> and she just sits there and listens, right? And oh. I'm like, oh, that makes sense, you know, that I would be able to just sit there and literally hold space for people for hours in a day. So that would make sense. Like for someone with a nine in their trifix, right? Maybe having a career that allows them to hold space for other people. Yeah. And being non-judgmental. If you were in a career where you had to put judgments on people or. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, it'd be so triggering. Like, or even like a, an HR, like when people, you'd have to like, let people go. Yeah. I could never do something like that. Never. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's like triggering nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I know people who do it, right? And it's their yeah. job and they can do it. And it's all mm-hmm. again, it's so cool how the Enneagram, you can see that in our career too. So cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so cool. Amazing. I hope everybody can like oh. just like take something from this I I know they will and you know what I know so many people because of well life happens and they go through career changes or they're noticing that they're not truly satisfied in their career but I think since the beginning of 2020 a lot of people are changing their careers and so if they loved this conversation. I really hope they come to you, Christy, because you're doing incredible work. And I'm just always amazed by Mm. all of the content you're sharing with us. So thank you. Thank you so much. Likewise. I'm obsessed with you. Oh, I feel the exact same way. I always have. (laughs) I'm like, who is this girl? She is so fascinating. Um, (laughs) I love it. Fours being attracted to fours. It's a beautiful thing. But um, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. I'll have all of your links in the show notes so our listeners can go and check out your Instagram and also your program because I know there's someone out there that is definitely like needing your support. So yeah. I would love that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all of this with us today. This has been awesome. Yay. Yay. Thank you so much, Meg. Love you. Love you too, sweetheart. Thank you.